So with all that being said, today we have a special uh, in-house guest speaker, and I'm going to introduce a young man up here in just a moment who's going to be sharing with you. And uh, this young man who's going to come up and share with you today has been in ministry for decades. Um, he's pastored for decades. He's been an encouragement to my wife, myself, my family, our church. He offers lots of experience a lot of wisdom, and a lot of um, godly challenge, and um, he just brings um, something so valuable to this body that we're all privileged to be a part of and get to serve one another in, and the young man I'm going to introduce for you today to speak, and you better clap for him, is Dwayne Smiley. Give him a hand. All right, I'm not young, and uh, we used to call it a bulletin, so... Get, my, get myself kicked off before we get going here. How are you guys doing good this morning? Yeah. Yes? You excited to be here? Yeah. Not as excited as I am. Hey, Brandon, I'm glad you're on the camera because I kind of move. Are you, wet? you ready? <laughs> be a highlight for you. All right. Hey, but Brandon, by the way, I got a word for you from God. Just, just for you. Um, so don't worry about focusing on the camera on me. God is going to, and I'm speaking on this this morning, so it's good that you're here. God is going to restore to you everything that the enemy has um, taken from you. All the stuff that you've gone through, um, that where the devil's come in and come in, and sometimes you've given him that open door, and but God's going to restore to you even greater than everything that's been taken from you. And there's things trying to be taken from you right now. The devil's trying to do things and, t and take things from you. But I want you to know that God sees your faithfulness, that God sees that you're trying, that God sees that you're taking steps, that God sees that you're pushing back. And he's going to restore to you and restore to you even greater. And your kids are going to rise up and they're going to see the faithfulness of their dad. And they're going to realize that God can change their lives as well as he's changed yours. So if that works for you, go for it, all right? All right. So Anthony spent the last few weeks, last four or five weeks, if you were here. If you weren't, you can watch it online, right? You can watch it online. And back in my day, we'd say get the cassette. But um, you can watch it online. And um, he's talked about things that were going on with in the book of Daniel, how, how the devil had come in and taken control of things. The spirit of Babylon had taken over. They'd taken over. They took Israel. They took Judah. They did all kinds of things. They took Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and they changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They took Daniel and changed his name to Belteshar. They tried to get them to eat the things that they eat. Basically, they tried to take their identity away. They tried to rob them of the call that God had put on their lives. They tried to intervene. They tried to change the culture. But those and others said no, and they didn't allow it. So today I want to continue with that, and I want to talk to you about how we in our lives can take back things that the enemy has stolen from us. How many of you have ever had a felt you had a call in your life where God told you you're going to do something? Raise your hands. Don't be shy. This, we're sharing together. We all love each other. All right? And sometimes in our lives that call maybe got taken away, right? Something happened, and we like, I'm not fulfilling that call. How many of you have ever been attacked by the devil and had the devil try to take something from you, right? Amen? He tries to take things. He tries to steal things. He tries to destroy things, right? I'm going to tell you a story. I didn't tell this last service, but I feel I should tell you this service. I have these two friends, and I've known these two guys for over 40 years. That's a long time to know somebody, right? Still in contact with them. Still talk to them on occasion. Uh, still communicate with them. But I've known them for over 40 years. That's a long time. I met him in a church that I used to attend. Uh, where I was involved in leadership there and some things like that. Anyway, these two, these two guys were best friends. Those two were the best friends, uh, like David and Jonathan kind of friendship. 
And what happened is one of the friends had an affair with the other friend's wife. They were both married. They both had kids. One of those friends had an affair with the other friend's wife. And it got exposed. The one guy, the, the, the original guy went to his pastor and said, hey, I, I sinned. I did this. I did that. The other one found out about it, the other guy, and um, went and confronted his friend and said, hey, and all this is, I know this is for fact because it was, it was told to me. He said, hey, you know, I, I don't appreciate that kind of thing. And they basically cut off their friendship. So the one, pa the one guy, he was a worship pastor at the time, the one that got in the affair. He was a worship pastor at a church. And he and his wife reconciled. And they went on and they did ministry uh, across the country with a, with a singing group. And they did ministry. The other guy, his wife did not want to reconcile. She didn't want to repent. And she had another affair and ran off with another guy. And so that guy got, ended up getting divorced, all right, which can be a killer in ministry. He ended up getting divorced. And what happened over time is that first, the first guy, the worship pastor, him and his wife rebuilt things. They had three kids together. Things were moving forward. And the church that he was originally at where he, where he committed this sin Talked about, whoops, talked about bringing him back as a worship pastor. Wanted him to come back to his old position after a few years. And the person they asked was his other friend, the leadership, because he was on leadership at this church. And they asked him, hey, should we bring him back? And what had happened is, oh, before this had happened, that friend had called his friend that had done what he did on the phone when he was traveling across the country and said, hey, I want you to know God told me to call you and tell you I forgive you and I love you. And I'm, I'm glad to have you in my life. Even though these things have happened, I know you've repented. But I can't hold on to this. I can't let the enemy have victory in this situation. All right? So then they asked this guy, hey, and I was in this meeting. They, we asked him, is it okay if he, what do you think him coming back and leading worship? And he was all for it because he believed in restoration. And he believed that God could take back what the enemy had stolen. So this guy came back and he became the worship pastor. Well, unfortunately, after two years, he had another affair with somebody else. And of course, he got fired and um, rebuilt his life again. A couple years goes by, guess what? We brought him back again as a worship pastor. Now you're thinking, you guys are crazy. And I'm thinking, no, it's the grace of God. If God can forgive someone, why can't we? Now, of course, we're gonna monitor him a little bit closer. Yes, all right. So he came back and he came on worship and he decided at the time he was going to start a church. And so he got sent out to start a church in uh, eastern Washington and he started a church and his church flourished. Because even though he made bad decisions and even though he sinned, he decided he was going to repent. And at that point, God can restore and God can give back everything that the enemy has stolen, right? The enemy will come in and try to steal things from you. Sometimes just because he's going to attack you. Other times you've made bad decisions that are going to allow that opening door for him to do that, right? That's what that pastor did. Now, the other pastor, the other guy, him and his, he, he ended up getting married again, had kids, pastored a church, everything was great. So I just want to tell you that story to let you know that no matter what you've done, God can restore some things. Are you guys hearing me? So if there's somebody in your life that's offended you or something like that, get that worked out. Work it out for you, all right? So... 
Anthony, last week, he finished with two verses. And uh, when he finished those two verses, I was like, man, those are the two verses I was going to share next week. Because I'd had like three or four things I was thinking of talking on. And I got to this one. I thought I'll do those verses to start out. Then Anthony shares them at the end. And I go home to my wife, Lisa, and I go, man, Anthony likes preaching my sermon at the end. And she goes, are you going to change it? I go, I don't know. i got to think about it. But I just said I'd just go with it. So we're going to, I want to talk to you this morning about taking back everything that the enemy has stolen in your life. All right? How many of you want to be having things restored in your life? Raise your hands. I mean, if you don't, then maybe you've never had anything stolen. But I'm just saying, God can take back everything. So 1 Peter 5.8 says this. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the devil, our enemy, our enemy, the adversary of the church, and who's the church? We are the church, right? The adversary of the church is prowling around, looking for someone to devour. Looking at me, looking at you, looking at the church. What can he do? What can he take away from you that God means for you, right? Are you tracking with me? John 10, 10, Jesus came to give us life, an abundant life, right? What's the thief come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Who's the thief? The devil. So he's come and tried to steal, kill, and destroy the church and the people that are the church. We are the church. We attend fellow, uh, free church. I almost said fellowship. Give me that bulletin back. All right? Well, we are the church. We need to understand that the devil is coming after us. He doesn't want you to be successful. He doesn't want you to do ministry. He doesn't want you to encourage people. He doesn't want you to do anything because he feels he can take the church and he can knock the church off. Because that's the goal of the devil, right? He wanted to take over heaven. That didn't work out so good for him, did it? Now he wants to take over the church. There's an attack against the church. There's eight principles that are going to help us recover what the enemy has stolen from us. And I'm going to talk to you about those eight principles today and how we can put those into our life and make those take effect. Uh, the main scripture is 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 19. I am not going to read the whole uh, section to you for sake of time, but I am going to highlight a few things. Now, if you don't have your Bibles or you don't have your phone thing or if you don't have anything else, you can read it when you get home. Um, but when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziglag. They had overcome Ziglag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised up their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's wives were taken and David was greatly distressed. For all the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And he called uh, one of the priests, asked him to bring him the ephod. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? In other words, the people that came and took all the wives, the kids, and all their spoils. Shall I pursue after them? Shall I overtake them? God answered him and said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him and they came to the brook Besor uh, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men. 200 stayed behind. They found an Egyptian. So they found this guy walking down the road. And now this guy hadn't eaten for three days and hadn't drank anything for three days and three nights. And so David uh, found him walking to him and they gave him some bread and he ate and they gave him water to drink and they gave him a piece of cake and some figs 
and some raisins. That's what I like about God. He's so descriptive of everything, right? Uh, and when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, who do you belong to? And he said, I'm a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I felt sick three days ago. We made a raid against the Negev of the Cherahites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. This guy was with the people that attacked David's camp and took their wives and their kids and all of their belongings and took everything, all the possessions with them. So David said to him, will you take me down to this band? And he said, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of my master and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken them down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil they have taken from the lands of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day. So basically 24 hours. And not a man of them escaped except the 400 who mounted camels and fled, those young men. Now listen to this. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. So what happened is they got attacked. David and his men were out doing something. They got where their base got attacked, and everything got taken. And then they wanted to stone David. Well, I want to show you today there's eight things that we can do in our lives to take back what the enemy has stolen from us, just like David did. All right? You guys with me? You excited to take some things back? Hey, it's the church's job, right? Come on. Hey, let me say that again. Is it the church's job to take back what the enemy has stolen? Yes, it is. And we need to be excited about that. So step number one, learn to become a warrior. We need to have what's called an occupational mindset in our theology and what we believe in. A mindset that will change our circumstances by getting us ready for battle. We need to have a mindset of a warrior that we're not going to be defeated, that we're going to go into battle, that we're going to take back the ground. We don't have to be the mindset of the person that's constantly getting beat up. Right? Oh, I'm just getting beat up so bad. I just can't take another step forward. Yeah, God's persecuting. Jesus, I don't know what's going on, but the devil's just coming after me. You know, we get into that state, and we sit there and we think, oh, poor me. Your friends come to you, what's wrong? Oh, the devil's just attacking me. Don't worry, I'll get through it. That's the wrong mentality. The mentality needs to be, the devil's attacking me, and I'm attacking back. The church needs to say, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I'm going to get on the offensive, and I'm going to attack back. I'm going to become a warrior. I want to be a warrior here. 1 Timothy 6.12 says this, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many enemies. Fight the good fight of faith. It is a battle. There is a battle going around in the spiritual realm that we can't see. You guys tracking with me on that? It's in Ephesians. It talks about it. There's also a battle right here and on earth. There's a battle in the United States. There is a battle to try to change the church. There is a battle to try to change the teaching of the church. There is a battle to turn the church into a lukewarm place where anybody can come to and just hang out and feel good about themselves. And there's a lot of feel-good messages in the church. There needs to be the message that we are not going to stand 
for the devil trying to change the church, trying to change the culture, and trying to change this country. And the only way that's going to change is if the church rises up. When the devil comes in or the enemy comes in like a flood, what does the church do? It raises up a standard, right? We need to raise up a standard. We need to say, we are not going to tolerate this. As Christians, we are not going to tolerate this. We are going to fight back. Fight the good fight. There's a lot of things we can fight for, but there's nothing more important than Jesus. All right? We can fight, and I'm. if you see me on Facebook, I am... 100% opposed to abortion. And I will fight for that. But I will fight for Jesus more than I'll fight for anything else. Are you tracking with me? The church needs to rise up. We need to learn to become warriors. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. All right? As we begin to submit to God, the enemy will flee from our church, from our homes, from our finances, from our friends, from our school, from our job. You can have an impact in every area of your life to push back against the enemy if we submit to God. Submit to God and let him do what God does. Sometimes we get in the way of God doing things. We think our way is better. Guess what? It's not. And we'll learn from that, right? How many of you thought you could do it your way and it didn't work out real good and God says, okay, are you ready now to let me do my thing? It's like God saying, okay, just, just go sit over there and I will show you how to do this, right? Just walk behind me. I will take you. We have to swallow our pride sometimes. Just let God do his thing. Here's what God's word says regarding restoration. This is an exec, an exodus. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and he kills it or sells it, he, he shall repay five oxen for one ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and struck so that he dies, no blood guilt, everything's cool. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him, meaning he's going to surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it's an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he's going to have to pay double. If a thief is caught, he must pay in full for everything, but he must pay double for what he has stolen. Proverbs 6.30 says, People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold, he will give all the goods of his house. If he's caught, he must pay back seven times what he has stolen. It's going to cost him everything that he owes. As the church, we need to believe we can bankrupt the devil. Come on. We can bankrupt the devil. Right? You guys don't seem too excited about that. Let me say that again. Maybe this side over here will get it. As a church, we need to bankrupt the devil. Amen? Y'all need to get a little excited about Jesus, right? I mean, come on, the final four is on, if, and none of the teams that were supposed to be there are there, but if, if you're jumping up and down for the final four, you can at least jump it like an inch for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Man, we need to get excited for Jesus. I'm excited to pack eggs tomorrow night. Hey, by the way, you all should come downtown, all right? This isn't just about kids getting these little eggs and getting some candy and getting cavities so their parents got to send them to the dentist and then blame free church for it all. What this is really about is we can impact businesses downtown. We can pray for people that are bringing their kids through. We might get a word for somebody. Hey, sir, God's telling me something about your life. God kind of does that sometimes. You got a minute? Man, you read that guy's mail? Guess where he's at next Sunday? Right here in free church, you know? Like, dudes, do walk up on the street, read my mail, pray for me. I got healed. Somebody walks up with a walker. Hey, do you mind if I pray for you? I pray for people sometimes they get healed. Is that cool? What are they going to say? 
And if they say no, you know what? Just move to the next one. But if they say yes, let me pray for you. You'll be amazed. I used to go to Safeway and pray for people and they would get healed in Safeway. I mean, it happens. This stuff happens, church. But it's because we're out there doing something. So if you can't come stuff Easter eggs, come downtown and pray for people and see them healed. And we'll just have a revival downtown, all right? All right. Let's, that was just a side note. I'm going to swerve back in here. Our local church, this church right here, free church, can break the hold of the devil in Salem, Oregon. It can break the hold of the devil in the state of Oregon. It can break the hold of the devil in the country. Free church. What? Little free church? Yeah, big free church, right? All we need to do is step out. All we need to do is be warriors and do what God has called us to do. Now, I know he's come into our lives and he's taken things. The enemy comes in and takes stuff all the time. Either through what we've done, our behavior, or he's just on the attack and he's looking for somebody to devour and beat you down a little bit, right? How many of you ever been beaten down by the devil? I have. Here's a, here's a thought. If the devil's not attacking you at all, and he's not doing anything, and you've never been attacked by the devil, then maybe you aren't doing anything for the kingdom of God. Just a thought. Don't worry, that's not in the Bible. That's just Dwayne's thought. All right? But I'm just saying, if we're having an impact on, for the kingdom, the devil doesn't like that. Who does he come after? The people that are having an impact, right? He doesn't want to wake up those sleeping giant people. He just wants to come after the people that are having an impact. So, make a list of what the devil has taken from you. And pray that God's going to restore that. And start taking steps. Become a warrior. Where there's corruption, integrity is going to come back. Where there's rebellion, submission is going to come. We are moving forward to advance God's kingdom. Isaiah says, but this is a people plundered and looted. They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say restore. No one says restore. Another version says no one says bring back. I say it's time for the church to restore the things that the devil has taken. I say, when I say the church, I mean me individually, you individually, the church, all right? It's time for us to say, I'm going to get restoration in my family. I'm going to get restoration in my business. I'm going to get restoration in my school, in my marriage, with my children, and everything. I am going to take back what the enemy has stolen. I'm going to become a warrior, and I'm going to fight for those things. Are you with me? All right. Restore what the enemy has stolen. We need to be on the offensive, on the attack. We need to let God lead this battle, but we need to start stepping up and becoming offensive. All right? Not offensive, offensive, but I mean on the offensive. Psalms 44 says, though you were pushed down, though you pushed down our foes through your name, we tread down those who rise up against us. By the power of God, we can push back the enemy. Not our own power, but by God's power. Let God lead and you'll see what's going to happen. I mean, amazing things happen, right? How many, of you, how many of you would agree with me that you think the devil is trying to destroy the church? He is. It's his mission. It's, it's his mission is to destroy the church. It's to destroy each one of us. So become a warrior, number one. Number two, learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. 1 Samuel 36, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Here's a great leader. They want to stone him. Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This is the key. David's friends wanted to stone him. Because they thought he had failed in protecting. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to take it out on him. So what did David do? Did he, say, did he lay down and say, hey, I know I messed up. Stone me. No. What David did 
is he began to encourage himself in the Lord. Sometimes our close friends can be our biggest discouragers. Right? Have you ever had someone going through a hard time and you're like, yeah, man, you deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Boy, if you wouldn't have done this, this, and this, and this. Yeah, you know, hopefully you get through this. I'll be praying for you. That's the kind of guy I don't want encouraging me, right? Sometimes our close friends will discourage us. Remember the blind guy on the road? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Remember that in Scripture? It's in Matthew. All right. I think it's in Matthew. i got to remember. And he's crying out to be healed, right? Jesus is walking by. There's crowds everywhere. What did his friends say to him? Does anybody remember? Shh. Be quiet. And what did he do? He, he cried out louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what happened? Jesus stopped. Healed the guy. But his friends were telling him to be quiet. Sometimes your friends will do that. You know what you need to say? Get behind me. All right? That's the whole COVID thing. Let's talk about COVID for a minute. This COVID thing. This is just the devil trying to destroy the church. What happened when COVID hit? All the churches started to close, right? The devil's sitting back there going, yeah, I gave him this COVID thing. All right? Now my wife, 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 Lisa, there's my wife. My wife is a nurse. All right? When COVID started, guess where my wife worked? The COVID units. She's working in COVID every day, every night. She's coming home with COVID, COVID smell on her. All right? Even though they wear all this stuff and masks and shields and all this stuff. She even got COVID. Came home with COVID. Babe, I got COVID. What did I do? I put up a wall, a cement wall in the house. And I said, you stay on that side of the house. I'm going to stay over here. And I put on a space suit so I wouldn't catch COVID. No, you know what I did? Ah, whatever. Kiss. Good. Glad to have you home, babe. All right? I didn't worry about it. Then I had someone tell me, a friend tell me, yeah, because your wife got COVID. She's a nurse. She works in those COVID units. You're going to get COVID. Yep, you're going to go through COVID. It's going to hurt you. You know what I said to my friend? Don't speak that over me. Get behind me, you devil. That's a little harsh, but I can be kind of harsh sometimes. But I'm not going to listen to that. When people speak a curse over you, we don't have to listen to that, right? Now, eventually, I got COVID. But God healed me. All right? All I'm saying is don't let people speak in things into your life that you don't need to hear. Don't let them tell you you're a failure. All right, you all had parents that probably told you you were going to amount to nothing, right? Yes. I was, I was in college, and my mom's like, what are you going to do for work over the summer? I'm going to steal steak knives, Mom. I saw this thing. I'm going to steal steak knives. Yeah, steak knives. You're not going to amount to anything. You need to go in the military. I'm like, what are you talking about, Mom? My mom wasn't saved. I was. I was like, get behind me, Mom. But um, don't let people speak bad things over you. Don't let them say those things over you. Don't listen to them. Instead, start to encourage yourself in the Lord. How do we do that? Think about some victories and some things God has spoken over you. Think about words he's put into your life. What did David do? He started to encourage himself in the Lord. How did he do that? Hey, I remember that time I killed the lion, God. That's pretty cool. I remember the time I killed the bear. You anointed me to kill a bear. What is David really famous for? His slingshot, right? Old Goliath killing everybody, threatening all, uh, Israel. And what does David do? He's just walking up into the scene. Hey, I'll take him on. He gets his slingshot, and he slays Goliath. 
Maybe that's what David starts to do. He starts to encourage himself in the Lord. So I would say to you, start to encourage yourself in the Lord. Look back at what God has spoken into your life. Look back at what others have spoken into your life. Look back at the victories that God has put in your life and start to encourage yourself in the Lord. And you know what? Your faith will start to rise up. You'll start getting filled with the Spirit. Be full of the Spirit, right? You'll start to get full and the Spirit will come on you and you'll be getting to think, hey, I can get through this. I can do things. We've got to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. When we learn to do that, we'll draw courage from the Lord. We have to get into that secret place. We have to draw courage in tough times. We need to do the same. God, wasn't it you that healed me? Wasn't it you that spoke this? We've got to start doing that and begin to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Because sometimes those around us aren't going to encourage us that much. You know what I'm saying? Encourage yourself in the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We are no longer going to run from the enemy. We don't need to be afraid. God is for us. Micah 7. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light for me. We got to rise up, church. We've got to rise up. Darkness can't be there where light is. And who's the light of the world? Jesus. Jesus. So if Jesus is the light and we take that light into areas of darkness, guess what? No more darkness. Because the darkness trembles at the sound of Jesus' name. The enemy gets scared at the sound of Jesus' name. The demons start to shudder at the sound of Jesus' name. Amen? Man, if you can't get excited about anything, get excited about that. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? He ain't no wimpy God. He's a big God. He can do amazing things. Let's bring some light into the darkness. So let's rise up. Proverbs 24 says, The just man might fall seven times, but he's going to rise again. God is the God of a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. If you have failed and if you have sinned, because I have, don't give up. Repent and stand up again and rise up. Because when God forgives you of your sin, guess what? It's as far as from what? The east is to the west, right? That's in Scripture. You can look it up. It's as far as the east is from the west. He has forgotten about it, and now he wants you to focus on moving forward. If you get knocked down again, get back up. If you get knocked down again, get back up. If you get knocked down again, get back up. I'm telling you, get up. We have got to get up. The church has got to rise up about what's going on in culture right now, and we've got to take a stand for the things of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Psalm 130, uh, Nehemiah 6, oh, God, strengthen my hands. Psalm 138, when I cried out, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Boldness has never really been a problem for me. All right? But the reason for that is because I believe God gives me that boldness. I'm going to let that boldness rise up. We need to be a little more bold about the things of God, right? Instead of saying, oh, yeah, that's a tough one. No, it's not tough. Just take a step into it. Be bold about the things of God. Bring that light into the darkness and begin to proclaim the year of the Lord. Amen? All right. Next thing we do, now that we've encouraged ourselves, let's surround ourselves with encouragers, people that are good encouragers, not bad encouragers, all right? Um, Who encourages you? We need to encourage others to tell them to rise up. You can make a difference by encouraging somebody. 
free church, you can make a difference by encouraging one another. All right? We need to encourage one another as a church. Hebrews says, exhort one another daily. In other words, encourage one another daily. We need to be encouragers, encouragers, encouragers. Not discouragers, but encouragers. We need to encourage one another. Romans 1.12, that, that I may be encouraged together with you, together with you, by the mutual faith of both you and me. Your faith will help my faith. My faith will help your faith. And our faith together cannot be defeated. Amen. If someone's going through something, talk to them about it. I tried this experiment one time. You know when people say, hey, how you doing? You go, hey, great, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, party on, right? I tried this one time. I used to agree. I stand outside at my church when I was in Eastern Oregon. Shake everybody's hands when they come in. Hey, Pastor. Hey, Dwayne, how you doing? Uh, it's terrible, man. Oh, yeah, me too. Have a great day inside of the church. Like seven or eight people didn't even have a clue what I was saying. Hey, hey, they just used to hearing great. Hey, great. You know, if someone says you're, they're doing terrible, stop and take a minute. What can I do to encourage you? Right? What can I do to encourage you? All right? Listen. You have a great pastor and his, and his wife here at this church, right? Yeah. One person said yes. <laughs> Man, Anthony. <laughs> Not the quite with the reaction we got in first service. How many of you think you have a great pastor and wife? Yeah. Come on. That's better. Man, we need to encourage our pastor and his wife. You know why? Because you know who the devil wants to take out? The head of the church, the head of free church. It was really God, but Anthony's his man in place. He wants to take them out, right? There is 168 hours in a week. Did you realize that? If you don't, that's just gee whiz, you know that now. So here's what you see. You see 166 hours or maybe 167 hours, depending on how long Dwayne talks. You see 167 hours going on up here, and you think, oh, this is just great, blah, blah. Anthony's awesome. He gives a word. We go home. But, man, you don't see the rest of that 165 hours of the week. I have been there. It is a grind sometimes, all right? Now, is it rewarding? Oh, yeah. But, man, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And your pastor and his wife and their family are constantly being attacked. Not just by the devil, but by people in the church who are letting the devil use them, right? We need to pray for them all the time. We need to encourage them. If he gives a good word, tell him, man, Pastor Anthony, that was great. This is how it impacted my life. Wow, Susan, I really appreciate what you said this morning. Susan, you were really rocking the bass. <laughs> Encourage them. Ryan did a great job with worship this morning, did he not? Yeah. Encourage him. We need to encourage our leaders because that's who the devil's coming after, right? right? Hey, while I'm at it, let's just talk church business for a minute. If people leave the church and they're bent out of shape and upset at the leadership, and then they call you and want to complain about the leadership why they left the church. You know what you need to do? You need to hang up your phone. I'm just telling you. That is a bad thing. That stuff needs to be knocked off and cut off. You don't need to be listening to their stuff. You know why? Because they're trying to destroy the church. They may not realize it. They probably don't. But that's what the devil's doing. Just a sidelight there. So if I ever leave and I call you complaining about Pastor Anthony, <laughs> y'all hang that phone up on me, all right? I should do that. I should, like, do a test and we should start a rumor. <laughs> no, you have enough of those going on, all right? Pray for your pastor. He needs to be encouraged. 
There's people that have been through battles, all right? There's people that have gone through a lot. When I was young, I had all these older, older like I am now, older people around saying, oh, Dwayne, you need to think about this because this is what's going to happen. I'm like, dude, I know where I'm going. I'm listening to God. I don't need to listen to you. No, people that have gone through battles can help you. Older people can mentor you. They don't have to be even much older. They can be a few years older. They can mentor you. You don't think Ralph's gone through some battles? Ralph's probably a fountain of wisdom, right? I could go to Ralph and say, hey, Ralph, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, Dwayne, I'll tell you how to do this. You know, people that have been through the battles can help you, help you. Seek them out. Find somebody to mentor you to help you get through some things, all right? They were there for you. That's what they want to do. They want to encourage you. Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, encouraged David. He was his best friend. We need to thank God for our friends that can find us in the wilderness, friends that can find us in our isolation and encourage us and strengthen us. Amen? Amen? There's people right here in Free Church that will encourage you on a daily basis. There's people here that will pray for you every day. Just ask them. They'll do it. Our problem is we have too much pride to ask for help. You know, don't we? Uh, I don't want to ask. I, I'm, I don't want them to think I'm weak. I don't want to think, think I have a problem. You know what? It's okay. It really is. God wants to help us. Amen? Amen. God wants to use those of us around us to encourage us and help us get through the battle. Become a warrior, encourage yourself, and find people to encourage you. Number four, develop a radical prayer life. All right, we have to have a prayer life that gets results. God will speak to you if you will seek him. We need to seek him at all times. When we get desperate we, in situation, we say, Lord, I can't hear you. <clears throat> you know what God says? I can hear you. You know what, if you keep it up, and you stay persistent, pretty soon the devil's going to hear you. And walls are going to start breaking down. Breakthrough is going to happen. Your prayers are going to have an impact. I prayed for my grandma every day for over 30 years to come to Jesus. Every single day without fail. And when my grandma was on her deathbed in the hospital, she grabbed my hand and she said, tell me what I need to do to receive Jesus. 30 years. I didn't give up. I kept pushing through. I kept pushing through. I said, I'm going to do this no matter what. It took 30 years. Sometimes it takes three minutes. It doesn't matter. However long it takes, pray. Push through. Continue to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Your enemies are going to start hearing. They're going to, God's going to hear. He's going to lead you in direction. The enemy is going to be overtaken. What are things in our life that are keeping us from uh, spending time with the Lord? We need to examine those things sometimes, right? Yes? I'm thinking if I should say this again. I said this in first service. All right. I'll be the first to tell you there's things in my life that take me away from the Lord, all right? Um, watching sports on TV, watching, sh watching some shows that have some objectionable things to it. So I got to tell you, we need, this might step on some toes. We, we need to examine what's going on in our homes and what's going on in our lives, right? How many, how many of you agree that witchcraft is a rebellion? Raise your hand. How many of you agree witchcraft should not be in our homes? Would you agree with that? We shouldn't be teaching our children witchcraft? Does everybody agree with that? Who's Harry Potter? Mm. Oh, wait, Harry Potter's just this cool little guy that flies a lot. I didn't even know what, I never read Harry Potter, saw Harry Potter, but I think he flies around on a broom or something. And he has all these wizards and people that hang out with him. And they do all this crazy stuff. That, my friend, is witchcraft. 
Now, if we're letting our kids read Harry Potter, or we're reading Harry Potter to them at night when they go to bed, are we not maybe opening up a door for witchcraft? Just a thought. This isn't God speaking to you. It's just Dwayne. If you don't like it, it's okay. Shut your ears for a second. But I'm just saying, we can let things come into our life that are going to interfere with what God wants. What if that child grows up and starts experimenting with witchcraft? Where did it start? Oh, innocent little Harry Potter. I'm just saying, all right? So take that with a grain of salt. If you don't like it, just fast forward. All right. We need a prayer life that gets answers. Let's get away from those things in our life that are stopping us from praying, and let's try to step out a little stronger, all right? James 5.13 says, if we're suffering, we should pray. It's pretty good advice. Ephesians 6.18, pray always with all prayer and supplication. In other words, just pray, pray, pray. Uh, Psalm 56, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. God is for us. He is on our side. Have a prayer life that gets answers. Be persistent. We have to decide that the devil no longer gets anything from us. We are not going to let him reach in or take things out of our life. One way that we can do that is by developing a radical prayer life. Now, is it radical? No, it's actually normal. All right? In Acts, it was normal. They prayed for people every day. They got healed. People got saved every day. Food was provided. All kinds of things were taking place. That was normal Christianity. And now we think that radical Christianity is praying for people to get healed. Actually, it's not. That's normal Christianity. We need to get back to some normalcy, right? We need to start doing some things. And by doing that, if we develop an active prayer life, it's going to help us. We don't need to tolerate the enemy in our lives trying to affect us anymore. We need to get radical in seeking God. In other words, get normal. Start seeking God. The anointing breaks the yoke. We need to go after it. Don't let go until breakthrough comes. Keep a faith-filled attitude. Number five, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, David asked God if he should pursue the enemy. One of the hardest things to get back is stuff that's stolen from you. Has anybody ever broken into your car? They still step out of your car, right? How many of you have ever got it back? It's very rare. It's down the road motors. It's gone, right? It's at the pawn shop. It's in their house. It's in their new car. They're whatever they're doing. They took it from you, and you're not getting it back. One of the hardest things is to get things back that have been stolen from us. But David asked God, should I pursue? He doesn't even know which way to go. He doesn't know which direction. But God, should I go after these people? And God says, go. You will recover all. So the first thing we have to do is decide, are we going to go? Are we going to go? Are we going to take that step and go after it? We have to go after it. Faith rises up in David's heart because God has told him to go. Now, we don't need to audibly hear from God. All we got to do is look at his scripture, and God says go, right? Go into all the world. Lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. God is telling us what to do. We just have to do it. So David decides, I'm going to go for it. My faith has risen up. I've encouraged myself. I'm ready to go. I'm going to go back. I'm going to take back what the enemy has stolen. Have a faith that rests in God's power, not in man's wisdom. Don't let man tell you what you, what you can accomplish. Let God tell you what you can accomplish. Let, God, let the faith of God rise up in us. Let the faith of God rise up in one another. You want revival? Let faith rise up, right? Come on. Let the faith of God rise up. Don't listen to what man says, but listen to what God has said. God gives you a word. His word to you this morning is you're going to take back everything the enemy has stolen from you. Let me say that again. God is going to take back 
everything the enemy has stolen from you. And you're going to get it back. All right? Jeremiah 1.9 says, They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Uh, expect God to do the unexpected. Number six. David asked God, should I go? And on his way, he runs on to that old worn-out Egyptian, right? Has to eat, and they give him food, they give him drink. Finds out he's with those guys. But David wouldn't have found that out unless he hadn't stepped out and decided to go. And then what does he do? He uses this unexpected Egyptian that comes across his path and gets going. And that guy takes David down to the enemy. He attacks him. He kills him. And he takes back everything and more that the enemy stolen from him. But what did he have to do? He had to take a step. He had to get going. All right, God tells us to go. Let's take back. So what do we should do? We should take a step. All right? Then we should take another step. Not step backwards. If that was on a side view, it would have been like Michael Jackson moonwalking. But I don't want to give that to you. All right? We got to take a step. We need to move forward. To go means to go forward. It doesn't mean to move back. Take a step. Take back what the enemy has stolen. As you begin to take steps, the enemy's going to feel you coming. God is with you. You're going to start being on the attack. All right, a marathon is 26 miles, 385 yards. If I don't take that first step, I'm not going to finish that marathon, right? Yes? When I'm discouraged along the way at about mile 21, when it feels like my legs are going to fall off, and now I can speak from experience because I've done this, it feels like my legs are going to fall off, my lungs hurt, my body aches, and I still got five miles and 385 yards to go because if you don't finish, it doesn't mean anything. I got to take another step. All right, so when the enemy's been beating you up, when he's been knocking you around, when he's been hammering after you, you know what you got to do? You got to take another step. Now is not the time to rest. Now is the time to take a step. Because you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to rest. He wants you to give up. But we need to take a step and get back into battle. Are you guys tracking with me? Take a step. Move forward. Expect God to use the unexpected. Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Never, number seven, never give up. Be persistent. You guys remember Gideon? Book of Judges. <clears throat> Gideon and his 300 men, they pursued the enemy, and they caught him. Judges 8, 12. And Zebah and Zalmunna fled, and he pursued them, and he captured the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and he threw all the army into a panic. Now, Zalmunna, one of the kings, his name literally means shelter has been denied you. When you start chasing your enemies, uh, when you start chasing the enemy and when you start pursuing them, you know what God says? There's no hiding place for them. When the church goes on to move, the enemy is not going to be able to hide. David said, I chased my enemies. I caught them. I did not stop until they were conquered. I struck them down so they could not get up. They fell beneath my feet. The devil wants to destroy the church. We can't allow that to happen. It's happening right now in culture, I'll tell you that. There are prominent ministers right now that are questioning whether homosexuality is okay or not. I've seen them, I've heard them talk about it. All right, it's a sin. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a sin, it's not acceptable. Now, do we love them? Yes. Do we embrace the homosexual? Oh, by all means. Do we pray for them to uh, be restored? Yes. But we can't get on TV and be one of the most famous theologians in the country and say, maybe God didn't have it right. That's right. Amen. Amen. God's word don't change, right? That's right? 
all this stuff and acceptance and all this stuff, that is the devil in culture trying to get the church to change. He wants the church to be ineffective. Now, if you're bothered by that, I'll talk to you about it afterwards. I'm fine. But I'm telling you right now, we have got to stand up. The church has got to be the standard. The church has got to be the standard to this country. I believe free church is going to be a standard in this city. Amen? I believe revival can come to free church. I believe all of a sudden things can break out. Hey, why are we doing downtown? Because we're going to take downtown. It's not just to have fun and hang out. It's to take downtown. We got to get down there and we got to get on the attack. I asked Pastor Anthony this morning during first service, how many churches closed during COVID around here? 15. 15. The devil took out 15 churches. We got to take them back. Amen? Amen. Hey, Zion's speaking tonight. You guys excited about that? Yeah. Zion cracks me up. He texts me. I was in Salt Lake City for work and he texts me. He goes, yeah, Duane, uh, what are you speaking on, on Palm Sunday? And I'm like, I don't do the Palm Sunday thing. I'm not good at, I'm not good at uh, theme things because he's like, you know, I don't want to speak on what you're going to speak on. And I sent him back a text. Uh, Zion, I'm probably not going to speak about Palm Sunday, but even if I did, go for it. Speak on whatever you want because I'm sure yours is going to be better than mine. All right? So come tonight and let's hear Zion because you know what? 20 years from now, you're going to be thinking, I was at the very first sermon Zion ever gave to the church. Come on. When Zion's turning the world on fire and him and Abby are crushing it across the country and across the world and Jesus is leading them in all kinds of things, you're going to go, I was at Zion's first sermon. It's like I was there when Hank Aaron hit that home run, right? Come on. See you tonight. Last one, number eight. Take back all the enemy has stolen. God told David to pursue, for you shall surely overtake them. And without favor, without fail, excuse me, recover all. Here's what the word recover means. Rescue, snatch away, tear out or away from an enemy. Pluck something out of the enemy's hands. Isaiah 49 says, who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior? Who can demand that a tyrant let his captive go? But the Lord says, the captives of warriors will be released and the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved. For I will fight those who fight you and I will save your children. I say it's time for the church to make a comeback. I say it's time for the church to rise up and start to get on the attack and destroy what the devil has tried to do in your lives, all right? This morning, you can make that happen by start taking the first step. Let people pray for you. Let people encourage you. I asked you at the start, how many people have had something taken from them where the enemy has attacked them? Almost every person in here raised their hand. Those that didn't probably were just afraid to raise their hand. We need to, we need to be open to let people minister to us and pray with us, right? Let's have people encourage us this morning. I'm telling you this morning, if you take that step, something's going to happen in your life. A breakthrough is going to start to happen. It might just be a little one at first, but it's going to spread and spread and spread because you're going to be persistent and you're going to keep pushing through and let God knows what he wants to do. I believe we're in the greatest harvest time in the history of the world for the church. We are poised right now for great things to happen, healings, uh, salvation, revival. That, what happened in Asbury, you guys are familiar with that in Kentucky? I've studied revivals, the Wales Revival, the Cane Ridge Revival in Kentucky, uh, Brownsville, Azusa Street. They all start with just a group of people just like this. Do you think revival can start right here in Free Church? I sure do. I believe it could happen this morning. 
Something can happen, and all of a sudden, boom, and boom, and boom, and God begins to move, and God changes the city, and people from all over the world come and say, what's going on here? You know what's going on? Free Church decided to take a stand for God. Come on. we got to step out. we got to move forward. We can do this. Don't quit. Don't give in. Don't listen to the whispers of the enemy, all right? Remember those two pastors I was telling you about earlier? Here's what happened. The one pastor that went to start a church, after about two years, he ended up having an affair again. Destroyed the church. Destroyed his family. Destroyed his life. Ended up getting divorced from his wife. All right? I talked to him on the phone. And I told him, you need to make a lifestyle change. A couple years went by. He repented. He wasn't pastoring a church anymore. He was done. He's a, he's a tremendous musician. One of the best, probably one of the best worship leaders. No offense, Ryan. One of the best worship leaders I've ever seen. Very talented. He has an anointing from God to lead worship. He ended up getting married again. Restored his relationship with his children. <clears throat> got married again. And he went to Texas and was on staff as a worship pastor at a church in Texas. Now, through no fault of his own, nothing happened. They just threw in some budget constraints, and he got laid off. No sin involved, nothing. Him and his wife moved to Idaho. He lives in Idaho now, and he, he guest worships at churches. And he, there's a few churches that have asked him to be their worship pastor, and he said no. He's just doing things, and he's doing music, and God has restored to him everything the enemy took away. All right, he was in sin. He realized it, he repented, and God restored to him everything. Now, that other pastor, he went on to pastor a church, long time in ministry, did great things for God, he's doing great things for God. Then something happened where he was, um, he, he moved to another church, his old church, because he thought he, he was told he was going to get to take over that church. After two years went by, he'd given up everything, came back to the old church. After two years went by, um, the pastor there decided he wasn't going to retire. And so that pastor got laid off. He was left without a church. And it really hit him hard. And he struggled with, this, with what God was doing in his life. And eventually he fell away from the Lord a little bit. Caused a great strain in his marriage. And he ended up getting divorced. All right. A couple years went by. And he decided, I need to start going back to church. He'd also met somebody. But he decided, I need to start going back to church. And he found this little church, and he started going to this church, and he visited quite a few times. And finally, the pastor, after I think the second or third time, the pastor said, hey, where are you from? What are you all about? And he told him. And he eventually told the pastor his story. Did that pastor reject him? No. That pastor said, hey, you're welcome here. You are welcome here. You repented. You're welcome here. I want to meet with you. I want to get together with you. So he started coming to the church. He got married. Him and his wife attended the church. And that pastor this morning is standing right here at free church telling you you could take back everything the enemy has stolen from you. I want to tell you, church, you have got to let God be in control and take back everything the enemy has stolen. All right? I had a lot of things happen. And I knew God was faithful. Now, some of my decisions, were they wrong? Yes. Have I repented for some things? Yes. But my friend, we still have a relationship to this day. The one that originated when all this 
because I would not allow the enemy to keep these things. I was going to get aggressive and I was going to take back. So why don't we stand? We're going to sing, um, what's it, the victory one? See a victory. victory. I don't know we were going to sing this song this morning, but um, Ryan told me, uh, I found out that we were going to sing See a Victory. I believe we can see a victory this morning. Amen? Amen? I want you to raise your hand. Everybody's looking around. It's okay. I don't care. Raise your hand if you need to get something. Something's happening in your life, and you need to take it back. The enemy has come in and tried to destroy and kill you, but you need to take it back. Raise your hands if you're with me. If it's a family thing, a divorce, something with your kids, each one of you that's raising your hand, you need to get prayed for this morning. You are going to have victory. You are going to have breakthrough. There's going to be people up here praying for you. So I encourage you, don't let this opportunity pass. And from this day forward, let's begin to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. Amen? All right.